What is going on? It is the Ethos Clippers podcast coming at you on a Saturday evening after the Clippers fall to the Phoenix Suns in game number four and now down three games to one heading to Tuesday's game in Phoenix. So the Clippers will return home either on Thursday to play a game or they'll return home with the season over and we will see how it plays out as Brandon Marcus here at BD Marcus, joined by my co-host, Matt Mattawarren, back on the Ethos Clippers podcast. Matt, how are you, my friend? Sports Ethos Clipper Nation, Brandon Marcus, how the heck are you? I'm great. I'm fresh off of a 5K walk this morning. It was beautiful in sunny Whittier, California. Watched a game that we'll get into, and I was, it was a little bit of a roller coaster ride. I was enthused. I was depressed. I was ecstatic. I was petting the dog. I was pacing outside. I ran through the gamut of emotions. So I don't know. I don't exactly know how I'm doing, but I'm here with you. So that's pretty good. Let's start with Kawhi because you and I have not recorded. Frankly, we haven't recorded a podcast um, with anybody since the news broke when Kawhi Leonard was ruled out and you immediately texted me basically being like Kawhi WTF type of thing. And I'd just seen the retweet by Woj gets sent to my phone and I was like, okay, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, wait for, at first I thought it was somebody like retweeting when he got hurt a couple years ago and like retweeting a tweet of like him being ruled out. And then I'm like, Oh wait, this is actually serious again. Like this is happening again to the Clippers with this sprained knee nonsense. So let's talk about that first. Um, curious to get your initial reaction apart from the brief text that you sent me and obviously now we've seen a couple games play out without Kawhi Leonard where the Clippers lost both. They were competitive in both. They led in both. And they saw their lead go away in both. But just your reaction to Kawhi once again getting hurt in a playoff series is what? So, like I said, the gamut of emotions. I, tw- I, tw- I texted you, Kawhi's out, WTF. You responded, like you said, with an LOL, like, can't believe it. It was it was a laughable moment at first when I realized that it was really a Woj tweet. I actually thought it was like a fake Woj account or something. I, I couldn't wrap my mind around it at first. Then I went into sort of tinfoil mode because I couldn't really reconcile how he had played almost 40 minutes in two games in a row. Yeah, And then all of a sudden was out with a knee sprain. It didn't make much sense to me or any sense whatsoever. So tinfoil hat went on. I said, okay, it's 1-1. Clippers, maybe they are happy with what happened on the road. It's a quick turnaround, and Kawhi is going to save it for Saturday. He considers it almost a back-to-back because Saturday is an afternoon game. Perhaps perhaps he's just sitting. Perhaps this is not. And then and then right when I said it to myself, perhaps this is not a replay of the Jazz series two years ago. I said, oh. The Jazz series two years ago, the knee injury, the way that they treated it, the way that they let the news sort of bleed out a little bit mm-hmm. to us, the public. And I said, oh, my God, is this going to be a repeat of two years ago? And he actually screwed up his knee and the Clippers are toast, which it looks like might actually be the case. So my initial reaction was skepticism and then ultimate dread. Uh, tinfoil hat went on. What about you? What was your initial reaction to the uh, to the news here? Well, um, I was disappointed, upset, um, in disbelief again. I mean, I, I just went back to see exactly what I said to you, and it was LOL, holy bad word. Like it's just a reaction that it was just comedy at this point. That this, of course, it happened. Like 
of course it happened. And then the funny thing is, is that, of course, after game one, we all get the notification. If you've signed up to Woj or Shams notifications, you get the notification that Chris Paul went for x-rays after game one and they came back clean. It's like, and I tweeted this earlier today, and it's such a true thing that if Chris Paul would have went for x-rays as a member of the Clippers, he would have a broken hand and he'd be out for the playoffs. Like that's just the way it has gone as a Clippers fan. I mean, just look back to the days of Blake Griffin. Remember when we got that random notification in the middle of the afternoon that Blake Griffin's out for the rest of the series. And then we get the notification that Chris Paul is hurt. Like it just continues to happen with the Clippers where their star player gets hurt in the playoffs. And obviously it happened with Kawhi Leonard in that Utah series. And now Paul George is hurt going into the playoffs and then Kawhi gets hurt again. So it's more of just disbelief that, oh, here we go again. And the funny thing is I should be believing it and not be in disbelief because it should be assumed by this point. And you listen to talk show hosts and you hear them say, well, we can't consider the Clippers as an actual real contender because Kawhi and PG can't stay on the floor. And I sit there and I kind of like shake my head at them like, hey, like you got to give them a chance. Like anybody can get hurt. But they're right. Like This continues to happen with Kawhi and PG. And there were people that was pointing out a play in Game 2 that they thought that's what happened. But I'm not sure that's the case. Like Lawrence Frank came out, which, by the way, very unusual. I was texting uh, with Shane Young um, the other day, and we were talking about it. And he's like, it's very weird to see a GM or rather a president come out and have a press conference for a minor injury. Like if this was something that you expected to have him come back soon from, He's not out there answering questions. So that made us both think, yeah, this is serious once again. And by the way, don't be surprised if we hear that he tore his ACL again and that we're going to have to go through this once again. And if that's the case, you just need to blow it up. Like, you just need to blow it all up. You're not going to get Paul George and Kawhi together. You went for it by making that trade, and guess what? It didn't work. I mean, you got to the Western Conference Finals, probably would have made it to the NBA Finals if Kawhi didn't get hurt. So I'm just... In disbelief, but also, like, of course, in belief. Like, here we go again. It just it just sucks to be a Clipper fan. And that, I think that's the moral of the story, is that it always happens to us, Matt. Always. Yeah, it, I, I put this out, and I'm, I know I'm not the first person to ever think in this way, but the, the meme of Charlie Brown going for the, for the football, and it's a move that the last moment, I mean, that sort of encapsulates being a Clippers fan, right? Like, we're always right there and there's always mm-hmm. just you know it, it, it's right within reach we're about to finally kick that ball through the uprights and get to where clippers fans have always wanted to go dating way back to the lob city days even before the lob city days but especially with this current iteration with paul george and Kawhi, we just get so close even without paul george after that first game and even after the second game seeing the way Kawhi was playing and how we had big leads, or we had a big lead in in, in game two, and it, you know, the, the Suns made a big run to end out the half. But it was like, okay, the Clippers, as currently constructed, it turns out the Suns are a good matchup for this Clippers team, and if healthy, of course, the Clippers aren't healthy. So it is just exhausting. It's infuriating. It's so disappointing. It's so deflating. Just getting our hopes up time and time and time again. Now blow it up. That's going to be a tricky. A tricky endeavor uh, as we move into the offseason, which we haven't moved into yet. Let's not forget there's one more, at least one more game left. Uh, perhaps more. We, we don't know that quite yet. We can mm-hmm. we can sort of surmise what may happen uh, based on the health of the team and the past three games. But there still is a game left. And when Lawrence Frank came out, just to go back to that, I sort of thought 
maybe he was covering for Ty Lue. He's like, let's just let let Ty Lue coach. Let me just go out and deflect whatever whatever people may be saying. But it was, it, yeah, it was very unusual to see that. Yeah, it's just I do want to cover one thing, and I tweet about it a couple times, and I, I kind of want to have a longer explanation here since I can't really explain it on Twitter. Um, I'm really disappointed that this team continues to cover up injuries and just be so sketchy always. I mean, ever since Kawhi Leonard joins this, joined this team, everything has been a secret. And that's one of the main things about Kawhi Leonard being a Clipper that has really frustrated me is that I understand like if you want to do trades and stuff without anybody knowing, like that's great. But when it comes to injuries, this team is so sketchy and like they knew Kawhi Leonard wasn't coming back a couple years ago. Like they knew that. And it's just nonsense, and it's not fair for a couple of reasons. And my main issue is Game 3, because if you knew that he was not going to be available for Game 3, and after Game 2 they knew it got worse, there was no reason to wait until the afternoon of Game 3 to go and rule him out for two reasons. Number one, and most importantly, the fans. Like, I understand they want ticket sales, but there are people that are spending hundreds and hundreds of dollars to come and see Kawhi Leonard. And they just went to the arena and saw the Clippers without Kawhi Leonard. They saw a fight. There's no doubt about that. You were at the game and you saw the Clippers up by 13, I believe it was. Um, and they had a chance to win. I mean, they had a chance to win and they couldn't pull it out, but they led in a game that they should have won, but they didn't have Kawhi Leonard. And it's frustrating that this team continues to hide injuries when you very well, by the way, should put on the injury report, like, questionable. Even if you want to rule him probable, that's fine. Just put him on the injury report. Like, you're, uh, the NBA has an injury report for a reason. What's the point of it if you're not even going to use it and you're not going to put somebody on there? Like, are you trying to deceive your opponent? Like, it's all gamesmanship. And I understand. I could take a step back. And I'm sure people are listening to this being like, Brandon, you're an idiot. Like, they just want to deceive the opponent. They don't want people to know that Kawhi Leonard is not going to be there. Like, I get it, but it's just really frustrating as a fan. Curious where you come down on that. Are you more of the, hey, I understand that they are hiding it and that's good. Like, they shouldn't need to be forthcoming. Or do you think that they should have been forthcoming? He should have been on the injury report. And it's not fair to the fans to rule him out a couple hours uh, until a couple hours before tip. Well, I'm with you because one could argue, sure, it's gamesmanship. If this was an isolated incident in the playoffs where they were like, Look, we just we kind of hid Kawhi's status till the very end because this is a seven-game series, and we want this one team that we're playing to prepare in a certain way. But this is the entire season, this is the entire tenure mm-hmm. of 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 the Kawhi Leonard experience. And I love Kawhi. I mean, obviously, we were talking the other day. It's like, we're, are we going to look back and realize, oh my God, we had this all-timer on our team, and we may. But what what is it what is it ultimately going to amount to? And it is unfair. It I mean, there was. There was a cloud. The, the, the game on Thursday that I was at, everybody was hyped. I mean, it was it was insane, and there was loud. People were hanging on every play. I mean, thank God for Russell Westbrook, and I'm sure we'll get into him later, but mm-hmm. he was really keeping the crowd engaged. But there was a cloud over, over the entire arena and over the entire game, and perhaps, you know, we, we, some of us even knew the series itself going in where we, we were coming in, hampered had only found out earlier that Kawhi wasn't playing so it, it it was a bummer 
it continues to be a bummer. And I'm with you. I think if he's hurt, put it on the injury report. I, I know there's something to be said for gamesmanship, but it's time and time and time and time and time again. And they're shady with all kind of injuries. Paul George, we still don't even, we, I mean, we don't really know the full scope. It, you mm-hmm. know, he's, there's a stuff on Instagram. He's practicing. He's running upstairs. He's shooting. Will he be back? No, he's probably out for the rest of the series. It, it's just all over the place with their injury reporting, and they're very, very shady. And I, this is gonna, this is gonna be complete sacrilege. And I apologize to all everybody listening, and all my Clippers fan friends, and you, Brandon. But you know, at least the Lakers are kind of upfront about when Anthony Davis is hurt. He's hurt. He's yeah. out. You know, uh, and LeBron James. You know, his foot. He's gonna be out for a long time. He came back early because you know he went to the LeBron James of feet doctors, but. At least they're sort of up front, you know. I mean, as as much as the Clippers are supposed to be for the people, you know, the spot or streetlights over spotlights, it's like they're not really doing us any favors by keeping us in the dark about all this stuff. As fans, as as paying or non-paying customers, it's it it. It really kind of sucks, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, actually, because it's really unfair to the media because the media like doesn't want to cover this every single day where they have to continue to ask about the timetable, whereas you could get out in front of it and like give a timetable, like even if it's a rough timetable. And with Paul George, at least he's doing stuff, so that is certainly good. Like That gives me optimism that he didn't do anything serious that's going to stop him from being ready for the start of next season. But, like, are the Clippers now hiding Kawhi? Like, did he do something more? Um, I mean, look at Doc Rivers, and he talked about the MRI for Joel Embiid. And they're like, yeah, well, it was initially it was a sprained knee, I believe. And then he said, we went and we did an MRI, and it, you're always afraid of that, and it didn't reveal something great. Like, there's something behind his knee that's not great. Like, did Kawhi get an MRI? Like, is there anything going on there? Like, can we get some sort of information? Like, did he get an MRI? Like, do you know how – do you have any idea – What's going on with that knee? Like he tried to play through it in game two and he played, like you said, 40 plus minutes. And then he was ruled out. It got worse in game three. Like, did he then tear it? Like, did he tear his ACL by playing game two? Like, was he in Paul George's area after game one? And then he tried playing through it and then tore his ACL? Because if that's the case, that's serious malpractice. Like as much as the Clippers fan want him out there for game two, like if you just sacrifice next season, by letting him play game two, then we've got a problem. We've got an even bigger problem because now you're not going to have Kawhi, back, Kawhi next year or you could have had him next year had you not gone and let him play game two. But again, it's all speculate. It's all spe- speculation because we have no idea because nobody's telling us anything. And, and that's the frustrating thing as a fan, I think, is that we, we have zero information to go off of. And so all we can do is speculate. And when you speculate, sometimes you sound like an idiot. And it's possible some of the stuff I'm saying right now, you can go back and listen to it in a week and I'm going to sound like an idiot, but like, I'm just going off what I know. And and that's the hard part here. And what we know isn't much. And I'm sure you you can go back many weeks and I'll sound like an idiot on just about every show, but I'll, I'll say this and maybe sound like an idiot again. We don't even know if the Clippers staff really knows what's going on, right? Like with Mm -hmm. with Kawhi and the little that we hear, if it's his own people, if it's even that secretive to where they know stuff up until a point to where his team sort of, you know, he's treated differently and he's sort of separated from the rest of the team. It's pretty wild that we are left to speculate this much Mm -hmm. on an all-timer who's on a huge contract, who's supposed to be the cornerstone of, of the franchise. It, uh, it's very bizarre and, 
from like a business standpoint, I guess fans will always go, but with opening a new stadium and trying to push, 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 push season ticket sales for when into it opens, it, it, it's not as enticing as you, you, as they would probably want it to be. Like if, if I'm, if I'm going to get season tickets, I want to see the stars play or at least know if they're going to or not. And <laughs> this is going to be the mode of operation. Why would I get season tickets? I'll, I'll pick a couple of games out of the season. Yeah, and the Clippers, by the way, they don't have the option. It's Kawhi and PG that have the player option um, for the first year of the Intuit Dome. So we'll see how it goes and whether next year is a complete wash and then the Clippers try again for one more year with Kawhi opting in or something. And like We, we don't know how this is going to play out. It's going to be a very weird offseason. And the amount of times we've come on here and destroyed Ty Lue, and we're going to do it later. Um, because today he did a couple things that made no sense, but y- you look and what de- like look to see what he has to deal with, and like ha- it's possible he knows what's going on with Kawhi, but he can't say anything, so he has to sit there and just seem like he knows nothing. And for him to find out so late in the game that Kawhi was hurt, I mean, he was told before shoot around that Kawhi wasn't going to be available. Like that's the earliest you knew. Like, did we do an MRI? Do we have any idea what's going on? Like, if is it not serious at all? Like, if they waited that long to rule him out, is it not serious at all? Like, that's the part that I don't really understand. And I feel bad for Ty Lue because this guy has had to draw up so many different game plans because you've had Kawhi, PG, Marcus Morris. You've seen Robert, I mean, not Robert Covington. You've seen um, John Wall had to be managed when he was on the Clippers. Like, guys are coming in and out of the lineup. I mean, and thank God for Russell Westbrook, where the guy is always available, and he is the reason why the Clippers have even been close to the Suns in this series. So if you, do you want to hit on Ty Lue first before we go to Russell Westbrook, and then we'll hit on the couple games? Yeah, I, I, I find myself in that same camp. I, I think I kind of feel bad for Ty Lue. I mean, I'm assuming he, he, yeah, he either knows everything and is just not allowed or is told not to say anything or he is finding everything out not when we are because i'm sure he knows beforehand but in real time for him where it's it's got to be incredibly frustrating like you know you can only be such you can be so much of a, of a great game planner and a strategist but you have to have your pieces in line and and know where you're going in and where you can make your adjustments so i feel bad for that i'm i you when you were talking about does he know does he not know it harkens back to when Kawhi only played the first half and the players didn't know I mean there's there's just just seems like miscommunication and misdirection and shade all the way down the line and you know this is as as happens quite often especially this season well I've only been on this season but this is skewing quite negative because these are all negative things and these are all realities that we are dealing with as Clippers fans um, and in a big bad way in the last two games where Kawhi Leonard gets ruled out and we really don't know anything except knee sprain. That's yeah. all we know. Yeah. Let's talk about games three and four. Um, and we can That's kind it. of do it together uh, because the Clippers had leads in both games. Uh, frankly, could have won both games. They were at home. And when you have, when you're at home and you have a lead um, and in the second half, like you got to close it out, especially when you're playing against a team that has these stars that are playing close to 45 minutes a game uh, frustrating, but I, I want to touch on what Russell Westbrook has done because you and I have talked about it. And he, the funny thing is, is that you and I were really skeptical about how Russell Westbrook was going to fit on this team. And I saw a good tweet earlier today. I think it was from Rich, um, from Rob, pardon me, Rich at Rich Homie Flom on Twitter, 
Rob does a great job with two and three hoops. And I think he said when someone uh, was talking about Westbrook, he's like, well, we still don't know if Westbrook would have fit properly with Kawhi and PG because we knew he was going to be great by himself. Like that's when Russ thrives is when it's me, 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 and I'm able to go and I can take the jumpers and I can go and attack the hoop because he doesn't need to worry about getting the other guys involved. And that was always part of the issue. Whereas like if you had Kawhi and PG and he tried doing that and he's taking jumpers and airballing him, that's a problem. But he didn't, hasn't need to worry about that these last two games. So where you and I could also be thought of as idiots because we were against the Russell Westbrook trade, like we also didn't foresee this happening. Like if you had told me PG and Kawhi were going to be out, you and I probably would have been like, all right, fine, let's bring Russ in because who knows what the guy can do. Let's throw a Hail Mary and let's throw someone at the wall and see if it sticks. And Russell Westbrook has been great, and I want to give him his flowers, uh, but also protect us a little bit by saying, you know what, sure, there were times where he looked decent in the regular season with the Clippers, but this postseason and the couple of games he's had without PG and Kawhi, like, no one could have foresaw this coming, and we still don't know if he would have fit with Kawhi and PG, so who knows if the fit would have worked. But nonetheless, man, you saw Russ in person in Game 3, and what he did by putting the team on his back along with Norm Powell and I think it's safe to say, by the way, that Norm Powell just ran out of gas today. Like for him to play the amount of minutes that he did and do what he did in game three and just like trying to ask for a game four, very similar, was just way too much to ask for. But Russ, man, he was able to do it in games three and game four. Curious to get your thoughts on, uh, on Russ. Yeah. Russ has been unrelenting and yeah, thank goodness we have him on the team. I was talking to a buddy of mine or a couple of friends of mine, and I was just imagining like a sliding doors alternate universe where initially everybody was like, well, maybe Mike Conley's the guy, like somebody like that. Like imagine if Conley had been on the team and then and then Paul George goes down and then Kawhi goes down. Like I, I don't think this maximum energy, this chaos agent uh, is in Conley as great of a player as he is. And he may have worked better. Somebody like a Mike Conley should Paul and Kawhi stay healthy, but they didn't. So then Westbrook just ended up being the perfect being the perfect guy in that scenario. But I just thought it was funny this this sliding doors moment. Like, what if Conley would have been the guy? Would we have just gotten killed by like twenty each of these games that that they were that Paul and Kawhi were missing? Just an interesting thought experiment to think about. But for Russ himself, like I said, unrelenting, unafraid, and really wreaking havoc on on both ends of the floor to the point where Monty Williams, you know, has to switch it around. He has to put Devin Booker, who's not known as the greatest defender, but is some somehow the greatest defender in the world in this series, defensive stalwart, but puts him on Russell, Russell Westbrook. Russ is getting in, uh, getting into KD, KD's head into his shorts, blocking people from behind and just energizing, energizing, energizing this team. And despite the turnovers and some of them are Horrific. Yeah, there, especially there was, uh, especially early on in Game Three, like the pass yeah, off of Zoo's head, and it's just not good. Those 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 were bad. I was happy that my seats were on the opposite side of the court because I may have just jumped onto the floor, which mm-hmm. you know, the, then the parachute dropped. Hmm. But but regardless of the turnovers, and you're gonna and that's just that's just gonna happen. That's part of the rest package. But he's hitting threes. He hit his free throws in Game One. I don't think he took any. Uh, today, actually, but he has been phenomenal. The Clippers would be nowhere even near where they are in this series. No chance to even, probably even have that game won, and you just got to give him all, all the credit in the world for being up for up for these games, first of all, for accepting the role before the guys got hurt, Paul and Kawhi, and then 
stepping, putting his foot on the gas and being able to transition into this Russell Westbrook, which, like you said, nobody, nobody could have predicted that this Russell Westbrook was going to, this kind of Westbrook was going to be playing for the Clips. I mean, offensively and then just defensively, just a menace out there. So he has been phenomenal. And then to your norm point, yeah, he was just gassed because he was he was everywhere on on Thursday night. Anything he wanted to do offensively, it seemed like he was able to do. He had seven three-pointers after he had had a drought for quite a while. I mean, he had, what, two three-pointers in the last however many games it was? I think you and Justin talked about yeah, it. Yeah, I think he, he was uh, he was two for 20 in his seven games in April. Yeah, you and Justin, who, by, by Justin Wilson, that was a phenomenal podcast. I got to give you guys flowers if we're, if we're handing you. them out. That was, you guys did such a great job on that last pod. But yeah, so Norm hitting seven, seven threes. He was getting to the line as he does, just aggressive, aggressive, aggressive. So both of those guys were phenomenal on Thursday. Westbrook, phenomenal throughout the entire series. But when it boils down to it, you know, we don't have our two all-NBA, all-world players. There's only so much, only so much that these guys can do, unfortunately. And I know, I know we were frustrated at some of Ty Lue's decisions, but then again, there's only so much Ty Lue can do with the players he has on hand. Maybe he didn't do the things that we would have wanted him to, but Westbrook was great, and just obviously it fell short. And these games are still at least one more game left. I'm going to keep saying it. We're not done quite yet, but it does seem to be skewing in that direction. Yeah, I mean, you look back at game three, and if you had told me the Clippers were going to shoot 40, 54%, shoot 43% from three and hit 15 threes, and go 19 of 25 from the line. I always said you probably are going to be in good shape. The issue is 18 turnovers, six of those by Russ, and obviously he had a great game, 38 and 12, 30 points, eight rebounds, 12 assists, three steals, and a block. He was awesome. Um, the turnovers hurt, but the the story of game three, and you were there, the officiating was awful. I mean, oh. it, I hate talking about officials because normally it doesn't decide a game, but we can talk about the Clippers and decisions that were made, but a game three, man, uh, game three is as good as you're going to get for the most part w- without getting much contributions from certain guys you'd like to see like Batum, but the officiating was terrible. I mean, you saw a clear, a clear path foul that was just not called. And then the Clippers getting jobbed on all these different calls. I mean, you look at the foul count and Terrence Mann had five, four apiece for Highland, Plumley. Morris, Westbrook, three apiece for Powell, Gordon, Batum. Monty Williams was complaining a couple of weeks ago about a team shooting a ton of free throws against him, and then he gets 46 free throw attempts for his team. 46. 21 more than the Clippers. In a five-point game, that means a lot. So really the story of game three was the free throws, and I know you were there, and I, I, I know the fans were not pleased with that officiating. I had never been part of it, and I always thought it was kind of silly watching it on TV, the refs you suck chant, but believe me, I was chanting along because it was it, it was unconscionable with what the refs were doing. Yeah, you're right, 46 free throw attempts. We talked after game after game one, um, and, I, I, and I said, look, they... The, the the Suns didn't shoot all that many free throws. And I thought it was too many. I, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but whatever it was, it was like 20 or whatever it was. I thought it was too many at that point. So to double to go to 46 was insane. And yeah, the, the refs did, did not do us any favors. In fact, they really swung that game that was only lost by five, and it was a Bones Highland in-and-out three-pointer from being a foul, a foul shot, two, a two-point game, just yeah. going to the free throw game. So yeah, the refs were... 
were terrible in that game. I tweeted it out. I said, I feel like Kramer at the dentist. I'm going to let the expletives fly. And I still feel that way. Actually, I'm reliving it right now. I'm very upset at that because even with the Micro Machines lineup um, in the fourth, that's hmm. when the Clippers started to come back and really could have taken could have taken that game. But you were right. There was a clear, there was a clear, a clear, clear path. And there was just there's just so many uh, unnecessary free throws. The whistles, they were just so whistle happy on the side of the Suns. 46 to 25 in the attempts is unbelievable. I mean, you would have thought Austin Reeves was playing for the Phoenix Suns or something. Yeah, there you go. And by the way, it was 33-29 in game one in favor of the Suns. And that's a lot of free throws. 33 is a lot, but for it to be 46. Oh, that's more than I thought, but that's a lot. But it's, And I, I thought at the time, sorry to interrupt, I thought that yeah. was too many. And then just to bump it up to 46 is just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, one thing to kind of go off of Westbrook and to tie in the officiating, and it was a really good note that I saw after the game, was that so R- Russell Westbrook had 17 shots at the rim. I believe this was um, Tomara Zarley that came up with this. 17 shots at the rim today. Zero free throws. It's the second most points a player has scored in NBA playoff history without a free throw. And he attacked the hoop a bunch and just got no looks. And it, it, it was bad. I mean, if you look... Um, and I think Farbad Esmashari had this one. Russell Westbrook took over 10 shots at the rim and received zero free throws. So that just goes off what we said. Kevin Durant took two shots at the rim and shot more free throws than the entire Clipper team at 10. And so he said, if you're going to call softer jumper fouls, call it on the other side for Westbrook. And so that's the issue. And you and I talked about this even when the schedule came out. Like, the NBA doesn't want to see the Clippers advance. Like, especially without Kawhi Leonard. Like, they don't want to see the Clippers advance. And I'm not going to sit here and say it's rigged. But if there is a 50-50 call, it's going to go the way of the team that they want to see advance. And the Clippers are the only team that did not get that day off at some point between game 1-2, 2-3, or 3-4. The Clippers then had to go from, and so did the Suns, by the way, uh, but they had to go from that game 3 at 7 o'clock at night to a game 4 at noon like that's an insane turnaround from a thursday to saturday where meanwhile the lakers and their stars and anthony davis and lebron got all the rest in the world as they went from game two to now where they're playing game three and the rest has done them good as as we're recording this it's 35 to 9 after one like it's nice to have rests for superstars and you want to try and get anthony davis and lebron as much rest as possible whereas they don't give a crap about the clippers and it clearly showed with the referees in terms of the calls that were being made and the calls that were not being made and the free throw attempts. And then you look at today's game and you see the Clippers went 8 of 10 from the free throw line and the Suns were 21 of 27. It carried over again to today. So not only was it an issue when they're shooting 46 in game three, but then to go and shoot 27 today and the Clippers only got 10, like the free throws again were a problem here this afternoon. And the schedule almost did the opposite of what could have been the intended uh, effect. It actually, with all the minutes that Kevin Durant, Chris Paul, Devin Booker, DeAndre Ayton to a lesser extent, with all the minutes that their bit that their big four, big three were having to play in these games, maybe they were going to get a little tuckered out. But the free throws, what does it do? It stops the game, gives them a chance to get rest uh, in, within the game. 
and to bump up the score without with not in game play and not in motion. So the free throws, it 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 just does so much to. I mean, if you look at the forty five minutes, but a lot of that is during free throw or for Kevin Durant. You look at thirty six, the, the forty one minutes for Booker, the thirty eight for Chris Paul. But if you take in free throw stoppage, you know they get a little bit of time to get a a blow that's not a timeout or not time off. So the free throws hurt in ve- in, a, in a number of ways. Of course, there are more points, obviously. And then it's a little bit, if not much, a little bit of in-game rest for the for the guys on the Suns. So it's terrible. And the, yeah, the schedule didn't do the Clippers any favors. And it ter- looked like it wasn't going to do the Suns any favors, to be honest with you, with the guys playing so many minutes. But all these fouls sort of alleviates that problem. Yeah, it's not great. Um, and then you look at today, and you and I talked about Westbrook and how great he was. We talked about the free throws. But it, it does have to be mentioned that Ty Lu once again... Um, just messed around with guys' minutes this whole entire season. And there were times where he was asked about Terrence Mann during the season. He said, I don't know what his role is. And then he goes today in a game that they need to win. And Terrence Mann goes and he plays 30 minutes. And he had 13 points, two rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block. And he was a minus two in a game that they lost by 12. And then you look and Marcus Morris suddenly entered the rotation for game three because of Kawhi's injury. And what does Marcus Morris do today? He starts. He plays 25 minutes. He was a minus 19, which means that the Clippers were outscored by 19 points when he was on the floor. And he was 3 of 13, 1 of 8 from 3. He just continued to ride Marcus Morris this year all the time when he had Batum and Rocco there. And we thought, okay, finally, Morris is not in the picture. He can go to Batum and he could use Rocco. Well, he very sparingly used Rocco. He went and then relegated Batum today and Covington to a combined 14 minutes. Those two played 14 combined minutes. Granted, they didn't do a whole lot in their time. They were 0 for 3 combined, but not much time on the floor. 14 minutes combined while Marcus Morris played 25. A guy that had not been in the rotation until last game. And then you go and play him again 36 hours later or so. It's not the exact math, but you get what I'm saying. About 36 hours later. And you go and start him and play him 25 minutes when he hasn't had a shot all year. And then you go put him there. Like it, it just That has been an issue of mine. I know you and I have complained about Terrence Mann's minutes. But for him to do what he did with Marcus Morris today makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. The senior stuff is it's unforgivable. Because not only did he continue his abhorrent offensive performance that got him benched in the first place. But he really didn't do much on defense. I mean, even in the eight minutes that Covington was out there tonight, he poked a few balls away from Kevin Durant. He he was he was in the right position for the most part. I mean, from time and Batum only played six minutes tonight, but I, I can't speak to him. I didn't really pay much attention because I barely saw him out there. I didn't see Covington for much longer. But they just seemed to be more impactful on defense, even for the short periods of time that they were out there. And given and given more of an opportunity, perhaps they could have missed a shot they went to combined over three but that's like you said only in 14 minutes and just to, to ride senior as much you know as much as he did i know i know the announcers today said that batum had maybe asked to go back to the bench or maybe suggested to Ty Lue that it'd be a great idea but starting senior and playing him 25 minutes is not a great idea i mean like you said a minus 19 on the day and you saw every single one of those subtractions uh, with your eyes today on the floor. And I believe I didn't like it. I didn't like it. Yeah, me neither. And I believe Tomara's Arley asked after the game today, is there anything you learned in terms of rotations? And he said, no, 
Like, that's not good. Now, here we are. We're going to game five, and we still have no idea in terms of rotations that Ty Lue wants to go with. So it's a problem. I mean, there's no doubt about it. We, we've complained about Marcus Morris's minutes, um, and that goes with Robert Covington and Nico Batum all year. Complained about Terrence Mann's minutes, and unfortunately, we're back at this spot again in game four. But unfortunately, you're without Paul George or without Kawhi Leonard or trying to do something, and it just... It hasn't worked outside of Russell Westbrook, who's been consistent. Um, it has not worked. And, I mean, you look, Bones Highland had a good game in game three, but then for today, you only had five points. Um, he was a plus four, so when the Clippers had him on the floor, he was solid. Just he didn't play a whole lot. Like, I'd rather see Bones Highland than Marcus Morris. Like, it's not like Marcus Morris is a good rebounder. You mean rebounds he had today without looking? 25 How minutes. rebounds who Senior had today? Yeah, 25 minutes. You mean rebounds uh, he had? Four. Three. Three. Okay. Three. Even less than I thought. Three. He started he started at power forward today. He's a power forward. He started at power forward today and he had three rebounds. Like twenty five minutes, three rebounds. It just it's not good enough and it just doesn't make sense. He was one of eight from three. He he just actively hurt the Clippers today. And in a game where the Clippers were in front and had a chance to win. It, it unfortunately didn't go their way and it really fell apart in the third quarter and the Clippers were down by one at the half. They were in that game and I believe they led by as many as eight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and it's just unfortunate that the, the same things have cropped or have popped up all year with man and with the, the power forward position. But what can you do? What can you do? Um, and then now we're here going to game five where the Clippers need a hope and a prayer to uh, try and advance, but it's not a great position to be in Matt. Yeah, and you know, you have to, in these situations, and we should say, and and you have sort of mentioned it, that Ty Lue's hands are a little bit tied. He he doesn't have that many options with your two superstars out. So, of course, you're going to try stuff, and you're going to experiment, and you kind of just, you kind of have to, because you don't have all that many great options. But in, in saying that, and I was I was mentioning this earlier, you have to be close to flawless because you saw how close the Clippers got with with these with the lineup that they have and without Kawhi and without Paul George but if you make those those flaws around the edges like playing Marcus Morris too much or not playing Terrence Mann enough and I know it's hard and it's easy to say by sitting on your couch like you should have done this you should have done this you should have done this but those decisions on the fringes or maybe not even on the fringes because Marcus Morris started and played 25 minutes at power forward and had three rebounds Mm mm-hmm at power forward. Those decisions, though, are going to cost you a game that was there for the taking and a couple of games that were there for the taking. So it's it's not to pile on Ty Lue like everything he did was incorrect and wrong. No. But those those little decisions or those decisions or those, you know, not calling a timeout or taking too long or not putting Zoo back in, taking an extra two minutes, you know, that kind of stuff. That's when the Suns will score five, six in a row, seven in a row real quick on you. And then you're whereas once you were had a small lead, a, a significant lead, or even behind just by a little, that's when things get out of control, and it's hard to yeah. come back from that. Yeah, and also by the way, the Clippers need to rebound better. I mean, this is this is partly on them as well, not just Ty Lue and the rotations and stuff like that. The Clippers did not rebound well enough. Um, when you're without Kawhi Leonard and Paul George, you need to do little things correctly. And the Clippers once again committed turnovers when they shouldn't have that hurt them. And they just didn't rebound the basketball well enough at times. When I mean, you allow the Suns to get 14 offensive rebounds, I mean, the Suns had 84 shots. The Clippers had 92. 
you would think, hey, that would help the Clippers in a big way, where the Clippers shot 37 threes and only 22 for the Suns. Like, you would have told me that before the game. The Clippers would have had 92 shots, the Suns 84, and it'd be 37 to 22 in the three-point department. I would have said the Clippers were in pretty good shape, but the rebounding hurt them. They allowed second-chance points, and so little things didn't go properly. And one more thing to add to this Ty Lue stuff. Uh, did you see the Patrick Patterson tweet by chance um, today? Patrick Patterson, by the way, should probably change his name to Pat Padawan, but that's another topic altogether. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, earlier today he tweeted something that um, was really interesting where, not the exact tweet, but he basically summarized by saying that no surprise to see favoritism again by Ty Lue to guys that shouldn't be on the floor. And so he took a major shot at Ty Lue on Twitter. And that is also obviously a direct shot at Marcus Morris, whereas he shouldn't have been on the floor and he's continuing to be on the floor and Ty Lue showed him favoritism. And that was the case all year where he was shown favoritism. So it's interesting to see a player actually acknowledge that as well. And a player that has been in the NBA and was on the Clippers. So that part I found very interesting. That is, that's fascinating. Um, Can I, I, since we're playing rebound guessing games, can I give you one? Yeah. Okay. Combined rebounds in games three and four in the fourth quarter for the Clippers. The combined amount of rebounds total that they had in both games in the fourth quarter. Well, the Suns shot really well. So I would assume that they had probably a combined nine to ten rebounds. Almost 11. You almost nailed wow. it. Yeah, 11 rebounds yeah. Uh, in those in those two fourth quarters combined, which is... That means you're not getting stops. Exactly. Yeah, that means you're not getting stops, and that means that you're fouling a lot. And that's what happened, especially in game four. Um, or rather game three, is that there were just way too many fouls late in the game. And then, I mean, the Clippers couldn't get a stop when they needed a stop. Kevin Durant, Devin Booker were murdering them. And give credit to Devin Booker. He obviously has been absolutely fantastic in this series. And same with KD. Like, it it really has been a two-headed monster. But then Chris Paul hit some really timely shots today. I mean, it's not your series when Chris Paul goes and hits that shot on the baseline over the backboard and it goes in. Like, it's just not your series. And... Unfortunately, here we are now going to game five, but it's 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 been frustrating, no doubt about it, with the Kawhi stuff and with Paul George being hurt right before the playoffs. But give credit to the Clippers. I mean, they fought their ass off. Uh, the guys who are available are fighting their asses off, but uh, they're just they were too tired coming into this game. Sloppy turnovers. The f- whistle has not gone their way, which has been a brutal addition to not having your two stars to then have the officials go against you as well. You just have no chance. And unfortunately, that's where we are right now. Yeah, it'd be crazy to expect the, the the guys who are available on the roster to win each and every game against the Suns. It's not it's not crazy to hope. And it's not crazy to watch and see that they actually could have. So the reason that we're dissecting it the way it is, is and, the, and A, it's frustrating, of course, because the two superstars are out, but B, because... Yeah, the Clippers could have have won any one of these last three games, and it's not even a, a little bit of a stretch to say that they all three games could have been any one of the three, probably not all three, but any one of the three could have been won by the Clippers. So that's why it's frustrating, and that's why it's it's fair to kind of you know dissect, even though it's not fair to expect the guys who are playing their asses off. Like you said, it's not fair to expect them to have won all three of the games, but it's fair to look at the fact that they could have. Yeah, I mean, you look at, uh, I think Justin Wilson tweeted it after game three, and he said, I wonder where the Clippers would be right now. You can only think and hope or wonder where the Clippers would be if Kawhi and PG were healthy. And I said, they're up, they'd be up 3-0. 
Like the Suns have not been impressive to me. Like their shot making is good. Like Booker and KD have been good, but the Clippers have been the better team for a large majority of these games. Um, but unfortunately, you don't have your 1A and 1B. You're going to lose. And so now we go. We head to game five. That one's going to be on Tuesday. And uh, we'll see how it goes. But, I mean, I'm expecting the way things have gone for the season to end. And it'll be really crappy for it to end this way. And I'm not expecting to see Kawhi Leonard uh, for game five. I'd be very pleasantly surprised if we did see him. But all we got to do is hope, man, right? We, you and I have had hope throughout this entire season. We've been, obviously... It's been negative hope because we are expecting the worst now as a Clipper fan, but all you can do is hope. Yeah, all we can do is hold out hope. I would be very, very surprised to see Kawhi play on Tuesday, especially, you know, getting ruled out a day in advance of today. But you never know. Um, things things can change. I mean, that's the whole thing. We we don't know anything, so as much as we may speculate, like, it's it's the same as the Jazz series, or he's hurt, he ain't, he's not coming back. Well, we also don't know that he's not coming back because we just don't know. So he could. And even if he doesn't, you know that Russ, Norm, EG, Zoo, and the rest the rest of the guys, Bones, Terrence Mann, I mean the whole crew is gonna come to play. That's for sure. There's that there's one thing there's one thing that they're not gonna do is at least try under Ty Lu and just because that's that's the way this at least the heart of the players. So we can hold out hope. We can enjoy watching our guys for hopefully not the last time this season, but, you know, potentially so. And then we move on. But, you know, let's not look down the road before we get to the end of end of this one. Yeah. All you can do is just enjoy what we have now. And unfortunately, we uh, haven't had good stuff, but we can sit here and enjoy and see what we've got and kind of go from there and uh just watch our team. Well, who oh, knows how many more can times? I, can, I, can I bring up one more? Yeah, uh, one more negative thing. And I'm sorry. To, I'm sorry to bring up one more negative thing. But you, I, I, speaking of my experience, look um, to, to the Clippers uh, staff and and their their PR team and their marketing team do they do a pretty good job. But look, I already have an all hands shirt from uh, previous. Uh, playoff series is. let's <laughs> let's let's update the uh let's update the shirts the slogan i have one already i, I know that the year is different but come on let's, let's get something besides all hands there you I go already have, it's the exact same shirt i already have it we will take listener suggestions at bd marcus for myself at matt matta warren for matt at ethos clippers on twitter for the podcast you can rate and review always does help if you can share it retweet it like it even if you like it if you don't want to retweet it to your timeline fine if you want to like it that'd be great because all that stuff does help with the engagement. So we do always appreciate everybody listening. Um, you can always follow us on Twitter. You can interact, engage. We love talking to people on Twitter. And like I said, if you're able to give us that five-star rating or give a leave a review as well, it always does help. So until next time, he's Matt, and I'm Brandon. And go Clips. Go Clips. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, 
for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.